You smell that? Uh, is it what the rock is cooking? No, no. I don't know what he's got cooking. He's obviously been cooking something good because he's doing quite well for himself. Yes, he is. No. You don't, you don't smell that? Um, is it grilled cheese sandwiches? I love grilled cheese sandwiches. No, it's not grilled cheese sandwiches. It's, it's love. Oh. Love is in the air, boo. What does love smell like? Unicorn farts. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. So the air smells like unicorn farts right now. Is because what it's full of love because you know what's coming up. Uh, what's coming up? Is it, could it be, is it Halloween? hi Are you just always intentionally playing stupid? <laughs> um, not all the time. Well, I'm, this is witty banter. I'm sorry. You can't appreciate it. Ah, uh, yeah. Witty banter. <laughs> All right, what month is it? February. Yeah, and what is the big celebration that is observed in February that has to do with love? Oh, wait, wait, I totally got this. It's got nothing to do with grilled cheese sandwiches or Halloween. It is Valentine's Day. Yes, Valentine's Day. Will you be my dirty talk, Valentine? Well, I don't really believe in Valentine's Day, but I'll make an exception for you because I find you charming most of the time. Oh, so you don't celebrate Valentine's Day? I, no. I have, I have feelings about it, which I will be happy to get into with this podcast. You've got too much street cred for it? No. Here's the, okay, this is my objection to Valentine's Day, is I truly, legitimately, honestly believe that if you care for someone you should like that person every day of the year. And I feel that there's way too much significance put on one day out of the year where there's a huge amount of expectation, this burden, you ha like how much fights happen over Valentine's Day, I didn't get proposed to, the dinner wasn't fancy enough, I didn't get jewelry. It causes a lot of stress and anxiety. And I don't feel that love should be held to a higher pedestal one day out of the year. I think you should show it all year long. That's my objection. I okay, feel... my answer to that is all holidays cause an exorbitantly large amount of stress and anxiety. That is 100% correct, and you know my feelings on holidays. Just don't celebrate them. I know you would prefer to work straight through. Correct. And I, I... and I agree on that. I think that the whole Christmas season puts me off my game. It's incredibly stressful. Christmas is stressful. Uh, New Year's a, a little less stressful. I find Thanksgiving can be very stressful. And I find that Valentine's Day can be very stressful. And I choose to not have one day out of the year be significant. I'd rather show someone that I care for them every day of the year. And on this one day, you're supposed to spend a bunch of money on chocolate and gifts and a dinner and prove your love. And you, know, you didn't prove it enough. And no, I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I, it doesn't work for me. Well, do it for the economy if you're not going to do it for love. If you want me to care for the economy and invest my money in it, then I'd be investing more if I showed my love all year round as opposed to just one day out of the year. How much do people spend on Valentine's Day anyway? Is it super expensive or something? Yes. Valentine's Day is big business. Behind Christmas, people spend more 
during Valentine's Day than any other holiday that we have in the U.S. Really? Yeah. Now that I did not know. Yeah, Christmas on average uh, per capita, we spend $806 buying presents for other people, useless plastic crap that is usually thrown away a few days later. And Valentine's Day is just slightly less, coming in at about $512 per person is spent on useless plastic crap, candy, cards, and flowers. So we all are spending about 512 bucks. That adds up to about $19.6 billion spent annually. Holy shit. I had no idea. That's crazy. All these numbers coming from the National Retail Foundation. They also found that people are spending an average of $5.50 on their pets. Okay, that makes sense. Because of the pressure of Valentine's Day, if you didn't have a Valentine, I could see where you would decide to make your pet your Valentine. That I can see. I'm actually surprised that's not higher. But I didn't know that Valentine's Day raked in billions. See, that's part of my objection. Oh, billions. It's huge for the economy. Like I said, it's the second largest spending holiday in the United States. I don't like the commercialization of love. And well, I don't like all the unnecessary... holidays are commercialized. Every single holiday has been commercialized. Yes. Well, that's my objection. Have you ever bought a Valentine's Day gift for your pet? I have not. But you've bought them Christmas presents. I most certainly have. Aha. They got gotcha. you. The other statistic I found really interesting, according to one online poll, 32% of respondents said that they were planning on having sex on Valentine's Day. See, again, that's a lot of pressure. I think you should have sex all the time, every day of the year, not just on the 14th of February. Well, yeah, but what I love about that number and the kick I get out of that is that if one third of the population is having sex on that one given day. So your mind went to rampant coupling happening all over the globe. Yeah. About one in every three person is having sex that day. So it's a very widespread out orgy. It's a big hump fest. <laughs> with, with all the pageantry that goes into it, though, you can't just get down and fuck. You have to get the flowers and the dinner and the chocolates. And so many people get engaged on Valentine's Day and... Jewelry sales go up. I also saw that Tinder usage goes up a little over 7% on Valentine's Day. I could see how Tinder, yes. Okay, that makes sense. That's actually kind of funny. Yeah, all those poor lonely singles out there looking for somebody to bang on Valentine's Day because I'm sure maybe the, uh, the field is easy. Well, I'm just letting you know that I don't believe in jewelry. Jewelry is a holdover from a dowry system when women could not work, and it was a retirement plan. So when men were bringing in the money, they would give women small pieces of valuable rocks. I don't want jewelry. I don't want flowers. I don't want chocolate. In fact, I don't, I don't want to do Valentine's Day, just to let you know. Well, I don't mean to sound like a Grinch. <laughs> I'd like it all year long, not this, just this huge emphasis on the 14th. It's, I don't, it's too much pressure. I love you. And I promise with all my heart or all my liver that we will do absolutely nothing on Valentine's Day. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I, now I have a question. What's up with the liver? I'm confused. Oh, we'll get to the liver. Don't worry. Are you Hannibal Lecter? Well, you have some fava beans and a nice Chianti over there. 
I happen to have a plate of fava beans in my lap right now. Why do you ask? Well, then maybe we'll have your liver on Valentine's Day. We? I'm a vegetarian, buddy. You've always wanted to eat other people. Okay, you're right. That's true. I would make an exception for being a vegetarian for a, a, just a smidgen of cannibalism, and that makes me sound really creepy. Speaking of butchering and eating things, do you know that Valentine's Day has an extremely bloody, bloody, morbid origin? While I did not know that, if you trace back the origins of almost anything, it tends to be extremely bloody and violent because that's human history for you. Pray tell, how is it bloody and violent? Well, with most of our holidays, it goes back to the Romans. I remember the last special that we did for Christmas. It involved butchered boys that had asked for food and got cut up and put in salting tanks. So tell me about this one. I'm listening. It all started with a Roman feast and celebration called Lupercalia. And Luper, as you know, is the preface that implies... Yes, wolves. This was the celebration of the she-wolf that nursed a young Romulus and Ramus, the founders of Rome. Every year between February 13th and 15th, they have this Lupercalia festival. The priests gather at the cave where supposedly this she-wolf nursed the young boys. They slaughter a goat. And a dog. The goat was to symbolize fertility and the dog was for purification because they're trying to purify the city of all evils and then increase fertility. Okay, that sounds pretty violent. We've got the slaughtering. Slaughterings of goats and dogs. And then they began to feast because there's nothing the Romans like more than feasting and getting drunk. They also like fucking. Feasting and fucking. Well, we're getting to the fucking part. Because after they had properly feasted and started the festivities, they would cut strips from the hide of the freshly killed goat, and then half-naked men would run around the city slapping passerbys with the bloody hides of the goat. Okay, that's pretty perverted. Women would actually line up to get slapped by the bloody hides because they felt like it increased fertility. So pregnant women thought that it would help them in their deliveries, and barren women thought that it would help them get pregnant. Uh, yes, definitely. When you want to get pregnant, you should be beaten with the bloody hide of a freshly slaughtered goat. Indeed. But that's not the end of it. How does it get any more perverse? Towards the end of the festival, they would have a coupling lottery. A coupling lottery. What, like they'd put a bunch of names in a hat and draw it out and fuck whoever's name it was? Yep. The women would all get together. They would put their names in a jar and then the men would come along and they would draw a woman's name from the jar and they would couple for the rest of the festival. Um, I think my concern would be that if you got your name drawn by someone you didn't like and then you had to bang them. Too bad tradition. <laughs> tradition does a lot of jacked up things. True. But of course, this is another instance of a pagan Roman holiday co-opted by the Catholic Church. 
The Catholic Church does that a lot. Well, how else are they going to get pagans to go along with their teachings unless they can bring their festive, boisterous holidays along with them? I mean, it makes sense from a conversion perspective. So how did they get people to stop beating each other with dead goats and fucking out of a lottery? In 496, Pope Galatius decreed they were no longer going to be observing Lupercalia and instead initiated the celebration in observance of St. Valentine. Who's St. Valentine? That is interesting you ask that question because nobody really knows. Did he even exist? They do believe that he, in fact, existed, but it could have been any number of Valentines because it was an extremely common name from that time. They have whittled it down to three different Valentines who, according to historical records, were executed on the 14th of February. So there are three different dudes, all named Valentine, which was the John Smith of its day, that all happened to keep getting killed on February 14th? Well, according to some historians, they think that they might have actually been the same guy. There are this group of Belgian monks called the Bollandists that did a three-century investigation into all the historical records from those times. They found three instances of this Valentine. One of them died in Africa with 24 soldiers, and that was all that was known of him. The other one had a myth about him where he was converting pagans to Christianity. He was imprisoned, and he convinced his jailer to come over to Christianity on the promise that he would cure his daughter's blindness, which he did, but he was later beheaded, and then some of his followers stole the beheaded body and buried it along the route between Rome and this other major city. The other, the second, or I guess third Valentine, had a very similar story, but coming out of a different town where he helped cure a blind boy of his blindness. So there's a lot of saints and blindness happening. Yes, but they think that it's possible that all these records are talking about the same person, the same myth. Isn't he also the patron saint of beekeepers and epilepsy? Yes, beekeepers and epileptics. According to historical record, St. Valentine had nothing to do with love or romance. There were a number of stories that started circulating in medieval times that claimed he was secretly performing Christian weddings for soldiers, that he was passing love notes between jailed lovers, that he fell in love with his jailer's daughter, that he healed of blindness, and they were passing love notes. But according to the Bollandists that did this 300-year research into all the saints, there was no historical evidence from the time period that he lived that any of this ever happened. I think all this happened after February 14th was decreed Valentine's Day, and it turned into the celebration of love and lovers. The other explanation for it is that the Normans had a celebration called Galentine's Day, and Galentine meant woman lover. I love you. 
You are the aroma of spring flowers that bloom in the spring. Ah, the moon. Ah, the June. Ah, the swoon. Loves that girl. So it's possible that there was confusion there that some people think the Pope that declared Valentine's Day instead of Lupernalia got Galentines confused with Valentines. I could see how such a mix-up could happen. Those are pretty similar names. It sounds like there is a lot of confusion and murkiness when it actually comes to St. Valentine, and he's loosely connected at best to how we think of Valentine's Day in our modern day and age. True. There are a lot of miracles that are attributed to him, though, and there are a number of churches all throughout Europe that claim to have pieces of his body. They have his skull displayed prominently or chunks of his skeleton. Oh, that's a big thing. Bones as a sacred relic is a huge, huge tradition (coughs) scam. Are you trying to say the church is fleecing unsuspecting plebeians? No, I'm saying even the church got fleeced. There was a huge market for making sacred relics and selling them, and people love relics. The relics were worth big money. There was a booming business of peddling bone bits and claiming that they were pieces off a saint. Well, that wraps up some of the history around Valentine's Day. Let's say we move on and look at some of the symbols that we have come to associate. I'm down. Let's do it. But before we do, we want to remind everybody, as we always do, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, whatever, you can always call in and leave a message on our call-in line. And that number is... 614-733-4739, otherwise known as 614-R-DeGray. That is 614-R-D-E-G-R-E-Y. Call in and tell us what's on your mind. If you have any Valentine's Day stories you'd like to share with us, we're very curious. Hey, Boo. Hi, Daddy. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but that uh, Blue Apron money never seemed to have uh, rolled our way. I don't know why Blue Apron doesn't want to support us. We're awesome, and we do a fun podcast. Maybe we are too twisted for Blue Apron. Well, maybe. So we had a little idea, since we're not getting paid off by Blue Apron, we thought maybe we'd do a little something special for our Patreon followers. Oh, yeah? Like what? Like possibly record a new podcast every single week. That's pretty special. Except that they're a little bit shorter, a little less produced, and a little bit more intimate and freeform and funny. And exclusive. And exclusive to our $5 and over patrons if you go to patreon.com backslash Rain de Grey. 
Don't bother searching for her on the site because she has been put into the naughty corner. I'm so naughty. If somebody's in the naughty corner on Patreon, you cannot search for them if they are deemed to be adult content. And I suppose we fall under the umbrella of adult content. But regardless, go to patreon.com backslash rain to gray, join at the $5 over a month level, and you get exclusive access to our dirty Dirty talk after hours podcast. Each week we come to you from a strange exotic location and have odd, fun, random adventures. Death-defying stunts. Last week, I drowned you in the world's highest elevation freshwater lake. Yeah, yeah, but I'm fine. I walked it off. She's good. Just a little bit of water on the lung. (coughs) Just a flesh wound? Just a flesh wound. Well, join us if you want a crazy, daring adventure like that. Join us every week for Dirty Dirty Talk After Hours. We wanted to talk about symbols because we talked about the history of St. Valentine's, which, frankly, seems kind of muddled at best. We talked about the history. I'm not really... There was a bunch of dudes, a common name. Yep. Well, it was a very, very common name back then in the third century. Ah, sure. Okay. I mean, I can see that. That makes sense. We have very common names now. There's a lot of John Smiths. That's a, a very generic name. For some reason, they're always checking into seedy motels. Yeah, it's John Smith's love seedy motels where they celebrate Valentine's Day. Well, I'm sure there's plenty of people that would be celebrating this Valentine's Day in a seedy motel. <laughs> Aww. You know, we could go do that if you'd like. Now, that's a proper way to celebrate St. Valentine's Day. Yes. Mmm, vibrating bed. I've never been on a vibrating bed. Well, bring your quarters, baby. <laughs> I've got a ton. I'm treating you to nothing but the worst. you're so good to me so what symbols do we associate with valentine's day well the main one is of course a heart oh yeah we make chalky little candies out of them to give away with sappy sweet little sayings on them i never did like those candies those are nasty nobody likes those candies they taste like crap i think they're leftover necco wafers (laughs) that they grind up and reshape into hearts yeah it's just the 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 dust of the Necco wafer, or just they're probably expired Necco wafers that have never sold. So they say, what can we do with them? I don't know. Just grind them up, turn them into Valentine's Day hearts. I think that those are probably the worst. They're worse than candy corn, actually. And that's a low bar. <laughs> the worst holiday candy ever. Yeah. Yeah. Hearts are what we think of. And what I find fascinating is that when we do the research for these podcasts, I don't know if you all out there can tell, but there is a lot of research that goes into this. It always keeps coming back to the Romans. Those Romans were some really heavy hitters. They were. You wrote an article that is available on your website exclusively for your patrons about this. It's a topic that I've been fascinated by for a while. And the reason that I find this topic so fascinating is that Much like St. Valentine, the origins of the heart symbol are murky, but it appears that the heart symbol started out with this 
herb that was related to a giant fennel plant that only grew in the wild off a very specific part of a coastline. And this herb no longer exists anymore. But among the many properties that it was supposedly capable of possessing, its biggest one was it was an incredibly effective contraceptive. Well, the Romans did love their banging. They loved their banging, and they didn't want the babies. They wanted to do the banging and not have the babies. But the babies so often get in the way of all the sexy time. They do. So the Egyptians used, among other things, crocodile dung. So they would take crocodile shit and use it as a cervical cap and paste up the entrance of the cervix so that you couldn't get pregnant. Well, I guess the Romans were less excited about sticking crocodile poop up their vaginas, and they found that the seed paste of this plant called silphium evidently was an incredibly effective contraceptive. And the wild plant that it came from, the seed pods of this plant, looked like what we now consider the heart shape. The Romans took it so seriously, they actually made coins that had the seed pod heart shape And they used it in their currency. Now, Romans love fucking. They actually fucked this plant to death. There are some plants that take to being domesticated. And Silphium did not. You couldn't grow it anywhere else. It it only wanted to be in the wild off this very specific coastline. And the Romans harvested it to death. Well, they tried to protect it. And they had laws against harvesting it, right? They did, but where it grew was in a coastline, which means it's right next to the water. People were actually using boats and coming in against where it was being protected and raiding the wild plant and then making off with it because of how valuable the material was. All for the sake of... baby-free banging. Well, it's really hard to have an orgy with a bunch of babies present. (laughs) This is true. And in some states illegal. (laughs) Yes, again true. The Romans loved this plant so much, they fucked it to death. Some of the coins still remain, and as far as we can tell, that is one of the most likely origins of how we got the association of this heart shape with the idea of love, because banging can be very romantic under the right circumstances. Because Romans didn't want to knock up their slaves. And the noble women didn't want to get knocked up either. Mm. Not by the wrong person. Mm. Mm. That is the main place that we seem to get the heart symbol. There is a vague association to a French romance novel called Romance of the Pear, but... Doesn't sound as exciting as Romancing the Stone. (laughs) There are some beliefs that the heart could be based on the shape of female breasts or buttocks, which can be kind of heart-shaped. I can see that. I've seen some uh, heart-shaped buttockses in my time. Did you know that the heart wasn't always considered the romantic symbol of love? Uh, I did not know that. Yeah. A lot of ancient cultures believed that the liver was the home of human emotion. The liver. The liver. It is the symbol of love. The three-lobed liver secretes bile, which collects in the gallbladder. 
and passes through the bile duct into the small intestine. Um, do go on. <laughs> in fact, in modern-day Morocco, they still view the liver as the symbol of love. And so I suppose if you're sending a Valentine's Day card in Morocco, instead of hearts, you'll put livers on it. That's ever so romantic. Yes. This shows up in the story of Prometheus. You know Prometheus, that guy. Oh, yeah. Chained to a rock. Yeah. Big he bird. stole fire from the gods and gave it to man and therefore made men be able to provide for themselves and cook their food. And this punishment, he was chained to the side of a cliff and a large bird came and gouged out his liver every day. That seems like a pretty jacked up punishment. Because the Greeks saw the liver as the seat of all emotion. His liver would grow back every night. And then day after day, this same large bird. In some legends, it's a vulture. In some legends, it's an eagle. Come and gouge out his liver. See, when I've gotten excited, my heart has beaten faster. My liver has never beaten faster. Yeah, I can feel the bile rising in your liver. <laughs> but this is uh, where the term lily-livered comes from as well, because it was believed that if a man didn't have any strength or fortitude, since so much of our courage came from the liver... If you had no liver, you had no courage, and therefore would turn pasty and white like a lily. Huh. Okay. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yep. So next time you talk to your lover, you can whisper in their ear like I do, my liver belongs to you. That's so romantic. I'm overcome with... Uh, vague disgust, actually. <laughs> you weirdo. Rain to Gray. Chris W. I don't know if you have noticed or not, but I am conspicuously absent from social media. That you are, with a vengeance. I hardly ever go online and interact with other people. You're an enigma wrapped in a mystery surrounded by a riddle. That looks like the human version of Shrek. Fact. I know that you are online all the time. I live online. That's where I exist. I'm a figment of your imagination. If people were to want to find you online, where would they go? They would start off with raindegray.com. You could also find me as Rain Gray on FetLife, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Rain de Grey on Patreon. You can also go to raindegray.com, and while you're there, sign up for the monthly newsletter that you put out. It's actually a pretty cool newsletter. It's a wide-ranging thing. It's got classes. It's got cool news bits. It's got a roundup of all the stuff that I'm doing. It has all the advice columns and podcasts in it. If you like everything we're doing here on the podcast, consider... Following Rain on any one of those platforms. I'm very active on social media and I post daily on all those platforms.
Well, we talked about the heart shape and the liver. <laughs> Can you think of any other big symbols for Valentine's Day? Yes, Valentine's Day cards. Yes, Valentine's Day cards do have a long and storied history, but we're not going to get into that this podcast. Oh, so are we saving that for next year's Valentine's Day podcast? Because we've been no, doing this podcast. there's just not, this is the Dirty Talk podcast, and there's not really a dirty story behind that. Usually we try to find some sort of dirty story behind it. Like with St. Valentine, there was beheading, that's, right? That's kind of dirty. And it was just historically interesting that nobody actually knows who he is, even though he's been attributed to all these romantic things. With the Lupercalia, there was the coupling lottery and there was the lashing people with the freshly cut skins of the sacrificial goat. Okay, you're right. That's a little bit more interesting, I guess, than Valentine's Day cards. Yeah, Valentine's Day cards, they don't have a dirty I've History seen some dirty Valentine's Day cards. Yeah, you can have some dirty Valentine's Day cards. I'm sure there's all sorts of Tijuana Bible Valentine's Day cards. There's all sorts of stuff. But here at the Dirty Talk Podcast, we want the down and dirty. It's either gruesome, gory, sexy, slutty, savory, and oh so delicious. I, I really like all your S's. You on a roll there. I was trying to think of another S. I couldn't. I didn't have another one. Sexy. I think I said sexy. Say sexy twice. Sexy, sexy. sexy. <laughs> no cards. What else you got? Um, Cupid. Yes. Cupid. Now, it's a little baby in a diaper. No, it, Cupid is not a baby in a diaper. Those are cherubs. Oh. They were modeled after the likeness of Cupid, but Cupid is completely different. Okay, so if he's not a baby in a diaper with a bow and arrow, who is he? Well, what do you know of Cupid? He's a baby in a diaper with a bow and arrow, and he He takes... does have a bow and arrow, yes, but he's not a baby, and he does not wear a diaper. He's pretty aggressively naked, and he has wings, and he has a love bolt, and he flies around the world, and... Shoots people with a bolt of love so they end up falling for someone. Yeah, and he usually uses it in some sort of trickster manner, right? He has a, a little bit of the trickster god to him, a little bit of a pan kind of a fox god. Do you know that he has two different arrows in his quiver? Now that I didn't know, pray tell. One arrow, if you shoot somebody through the heart with it, it will make them fall in love with the first thing they see. Not necessarily person, because there are plenty of instances where <laughs> they will see an ass or a bowl or something else for comedic relief. Okay, yeah, I've heard stories like that. The other arrow is a lead-tipped arrow, and if he shoots somebody with that, it makes them repulsed by the first thing they see. <gasps> okay, this is kind of a jacked-up god. Well, he can and has played tricks where he'll shoot two people, one with the love arrow and with the repulsion arrow. So the person sees the other, falls in love while the other sees the first and is completely repulsed, therefore creating the worst love situation. I guess it would be stalking. I don't know what you would call it. A lot of these myths of gods have the gods really tampering with humans' lives in not the most positive of ways. The gods were very broken in many ways, and for all their deity, they really succumbed 
to the failings of man quite easily. Lust, craving for power, irrational impulses. Yes. Did you know that Cupid himself has a very twisted, bizarre love life? Does it involve orgies with barnyard animals? No. Why does your mind always go to barnyard animal orgies? Well, that's pretty perverted. I mean, when I'm thinking that's the bar I'm setting for perversion, that's what where I would go, yeah. So if you were getting it on with the donkeys and the horses and the cows, then you wouldn't be surprised with that. That's what you want to hear? That's certainly not what I want to hear. I'm just, I, I think of that as like epic levels of perversion, so. No, it does not reach barnyard-loving bestiality. Okay, that's a good thing. Do you want to hear the story? I do, I do. Tell it to Even me. Even though please. it doesn't have anything no, to no, do it's... with fucking farm animals. No fucking farm animals. I do want to hear the story. I'm grateful that there is no farm animal fucking. But you think the story would be better if there was. I'm in no way saying that. You just implied it. Don't put words in my mouth. You, I'm putting implications in your mouth. Don't. Tell me the story <laughs> of Cupid already. My Fine. gosh. Well, the story of Cupid and Psyche. Psyche, is that psychological? That is the root. There's a, so much allegory in this story. It's amazing. Lay the allegory on me, please. Picture, if you will. Long ago, there was this king and queen that had three beautiful daughters. The youngest one was named Psyche. And she was so beautiful that people began to worship her. And some people thought that she was going to be a rival to Venus herself. I'm sure Venus wasn't too happy about that. Would any god be if people stopped worshiping them? Well, if you're worshiping a human, all you have to do is wait 60 years and they're not going to be around no more. Well, from what we've learned from American gods, the gods rely on people worshiping them in order for their livelihood to stay current. Uh, side note, I cannot wait for more American gods. Do go on. Yes, Venus was extremely jealous of Psyche. So jealous, in fact, that she sent her son, Cupid, to go shoot her with an arrow. But her instructions were, make sure that you shoot her with an arrow and she falls in love with something hideous. Wow, uh, Venus is kind of a catty bitch. Yeah, she's kind of a bitch god. Cupid goes to perform his mother's bidding. This is her son that she's having to do this, by the way. Think about that. So Cupid goes and he is about to shoot her with the arrow, but he is so blinded by her beauty that he takes the arrow and pricks himself with it and thereby falls in love with Psyche himself. Probably not the outcome Venus was hoping for. Definitely not. Psyche's problem was that she was too pretty. That's such a burden. Well, it is. I'm sure if you talk to anybody that was cursed with the burden of beauty, she's so beautiful that no human lover or suitor dare approach her. Which is something I've heard happen to people that are just gorgeous. People get intimidated by them and they are left lonely. I have heard that, that pretty people say that it's so off-putting that 
people around them can't deal with it, and they end up having a much harder time hooking up than if they weren't so stunningly attractive. Well, Psyche can tell you all about that because she had no lovers. Nobody seemed interested in her because she was too beautiful. So her dad went to the Oracle of Apollo, and the Oracle said to him, well, she's going to be cursed to marry this winged serpent creature, so go leave her on this craggy cliff, and this creature will take her off and be her husband. That's a pretty jacked-up outcome for being ridiculously hot. That's what you get for being that cute. So, of course, the dad dresses her in funeral garb and they march her out to this rocky outcropping and (laughs) desert her there. It's the price you pay for being a hot chick. You're being abandoned by a cliff dressed in a funeral outfit while your husband-to-be, which is a giant winged monster, awaits you. Okay? If I had a dime for every time this happened to a friend of mine. (laughs) Along comes Zephyr the west wind and picks psyche up flies her away and deposits her on the lawn of a beautiful castle and instructs her that her new husband is waiting for her inside when she enters the palace it is dark and she can't see anything and she encounters her new husband in the darkened bedroom she can't see him she touches him he feels normal She asks who he is. He refuses to tell her, says, you will never be able to know who I am and you will never be able to look upon me. And then proceeds to take her in the dark. Okay, that's a little creepy. (laughs) Be like, you're mine now, choice or not. I'm just going to start taking you sight unseen. Abandoned by her family, put on the edge of a cliff, picked up by a wind, taken to some odd castle, put in a pitch dark room, and fucked by someone that she can't see. That she thinks is some hideous winged serpent beast. Okay, so being attractive is now starting to seem like a bit of a burden, yes. After a while, she gets used to it, and they make love over and over and over and over again, and she becomes pregnant. I guess she wasn't taking enough of her sylphium. That's what happens. If you don't take the sylphium before you know it, you're knocked up by a demon. She's been living there for a while, and her family misses her. Zephyr is convinced to bring her sisters to visit. While they're visiting, she explains the situation. They are completely intrigued. She's living in this gorgeous palace, has never seen her husband, and they are curious. So they convince her that she needs to find out who this husband is, these meddling sisters of hers. Well, at a certain point, I think I'd be curious who I've been repeatedly banging in the dark who's now gotten me pregnant. Well, that was her thought. She decides that she is going to hide an oil lamp and a dagger in the bedroom. And when her husband falls asleep, she is going to light it so she can finally see who it is she's been banging this whole time. After Cupid falls asleep, she lights the lamp and approaches him with the dagger. I don't know. I guess the dagger, if she discovers that he is the horrible, hideous beast that she suspected this whole time, she's going to kill him and murder the father of her unborn child? Okay. Sure, I'm going to attack the winged beast while he's sleeping and then raise the baby by myself in this palace. But the baby's going to be half-winged beast. (laughs) Maybe she can save the dagger and cut off the wings of the half-demon baby. 
Uh, maybe she didn't even think that far ahead. Probably not. What she does discover by the light of the oil lamp is Cupid lying in the bed. He is the most gorgeous thing she has ever laid her eyes upon. She is so startled that she drops the oil lamp on him, thereby scolding him with burning oil, drops the dagger, falls back on his quiver, and pokes herself with one of his arrows, thereby falling madly in love with him. Of course, Cupid, being burned with hot oil, wakes up, sees her, and starts freaking out, saying gods and mortals will never be able to be together and they can never love the same. I don't know why he didn't think about this prior to kidnapping her and bringing her to his love palace. Well, you know, if he'd thought of that, there'd be less of a story now, wouldn't there? It's too logical. (laughs) After declaring that they will never be together, Cupid then flies off, leaving her alone. And pregnant. And pregnant. And deeply in love. And madly deeply in love. But he is also madly deeply in love with her because he pricked himself. So they both love each other but cannot be together because he says that they can't. Sounds like they need a relationship counselor. She goes back to her family and describes the situation to her sisters. And her sisters are so overwhelmed by the story that she was actually banging Cupid this whole time, that each one of them, in turn, goes up to this rocky cliff, throws herself off, hoping that Zephyr will come carry them away to Cupid's palace, but each one of them just falls to their bloody, crunching demise upon the rocks below. Okay, this is getting pretty grim. They were both married as well. They had their own husbands and families whom they decided they were going to leave on the off chance that maybe Cupid wants to take them as a lover instead of their beautiful younger sister. Thanksgiving would probably be pretty awkward for this family, I'm guessing. Well, I'm saying the Thanksgiving because who else does Psyche come upon while she's wandering the earth searching for Cupid? Um, Santa Claus? <laughs> Yes, Santa Claus! I knew it! (laughs) Merry Christmas! No, it's not Santa Claus. It's Cupid's mom, Venus! Oh, so a.k.a. the world's worst mother-in-law. Yeah, a.k.a. the stuck-up, self-absorbed biznatch. Of course... She's still a vengeful deity and starts beating on the poor pregnant daughter-in-law. Okay, that's awkward. Yeah, she beats her up, bangs her head against the ground, and then says, okay, the only way that you and Cupid are going to be together is if you complete these impossible tasks for me. What are the impossible tasks? There's a number of impossible tasks that she has to complete. One of them was sorting seeds. Okay, so this is like the impossible task of Hercules. So God's like giving impossible tasks. Yeah, it's a very common theme in these ancient myths. I know you were saying earlier about the sorting the seeds, vampires do that. Yes, the sorting the seeds, there is actually this myth that you can protect your domicile from being attacked by vampires 
If you spread a whole bunch of mixed seeds by your front door, the vampire cannot enter until they've taken the time to sort out the seeds, and it will take too long and the sun will rise up, so you could actually protect yourself with these mixed seeds. I find it interesting that it keeps coming up in Mythos. Mm, maybe because it's a task for the OCD. Vampires are really into the OCD. <laughs> Them's your peeps. They, those are my peeps. I can sort seeds like nobody's business. I'm sure you, I'm going to give you a pile for Valentine's Day. Ooh, now I'm excited. Ooh, in a filthy, dirty motel room, piled high with seeds on a vibrating bed. Happy Valentine's Day, boo. It's going to be really hard to sort the seeds if the bed's vibrating. Exactly. That's why it's an impossible task. Sadist. That's one of the many impossible tasks that Venus gives her. Of course, she keeps getting divine intervention on these tasks. Various gods take pity on her and help her along. The final task was she has to travel to the underworld and ask Proserpina for a little bit of her beauty. She then puts this in a golden box and exits the underworld. But before she can bring it to Venus, curiosity gets the best of her like it does to all these mythological girls with their boxes. You gotta not open up the box. Bad things happen when you open up the box. What happens when she opens up the box? She opens the box and does not find beauty, but finds sleep, which then makes her fall fast asleep in the middle of the road. So the queen of the underworld, when asked to put a little bit of her beauty in a box, instead put in sleep. Are you going to trust the queen of the underworld? I wouldn't. Well, it's her trick. So Psyche falls for this trick. She's passed out in the middle of the road, still pregnant, by the way, after all this. And who would come along but... Her mother-in-law? No. Her scoundrel of a husband who abandoned her while she was knocked up. Yes, because he still loves her so, so much. But now he's healed after all this time, after she has been busy being beaten, abused, tortured and forced to do these impossible tasks by her wrathful mother-in-law. He has been convalescing, and now his wounds are healed from the oil, and he loves her again and wants them to work it out, baby. So my question is, if he's a god, how bad was this oil lamp burn? Because it seems like it took him a really long time to heal. <sighs> Only a mortal would ask these sorts of questions. Sorry. He decides, hey, we're going to make a go for this, right? So he takes Psyche to Jupiter, king of the gods, and explains the situation. Jupiter says, all right, kid, I'll help you out. But here's the deal. If there's uh, some young mortal girl that I take a fancy to, you got to go and give her the old shot through the heart. I see. Yeah, Jupiter's always watching out for uh, what's in his pants. Jupiter's yes. looking out for Jupiter, all right? Yeah, and, and his and his rock of love. So, of course, Cupid says, yeah, no problem. And therefore, Jupiter gets himself the best wingman imaginable. <laughs> that he does. Based on this agreement, Jupiter then gives Psyche the ambrosia that she can drink, which will make her immortal now and her... And Cupid do not have to worry about their love fading because they will both live forever. Jupiter announces them married. And then she finally bears the child, which they name Pleasure. So my takeaway from this is that love is complicated and painful. 
Yeah, and you get the allegory there with love, psyche, and pleasure all being intertwined, entangled. Uh, with oil burns and fucked up mother-in-laws, yes. Yeah. So there you have it. Cupid has a very sordid, twisted, crazy tale of love himself. Just when you thought that your relationships were on the rocks, their relationships, some of them actually did wind up on the rocks. He's got two dead sister-in-laws who killed themselves because they wanted to bang him. Yeah, that's awkward. Pretty much, there you have it. Story of Cupid. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) This stuff is twisted. This is why you come to the Dirty Talk Podcast. This is true. That is why I come to the Dirty Talk Podcast. I like me some twisted shit. We'll be back in just a minute. We want to thank you all for joining us once again for the Dirty Talk podcast. I had fun. I learned a lot. I love doing these educational episodes because, like I said before, if you delve deep into any holiday, any tradition, anything, there's always something that is just sick and twisted behind it. When we did the Christmas, there was a lot of pretty heavy stuff behind that. And now Valentine's Day, we did, that's pretty heavy too. Since Christmas... I found even more stuff. So possibly another Christmas special next year? Well, Christmas happens every year, so yeah. Eventually I'll run out of weird twisted shit for Christmas, maybe. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. We hope you all have a wonderful Valentine's Day. However you choose to celebrate it with somebody you love or flying solo. By yourself, masturbating with a bottle of whiskey. Crying into a bottle of whiskey? Well, you could masturbate with the bottle of whiskey after you've emptied it. You could. But that's dangerous. Don't do that. I've seen photos. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't encourage. This is not... Disclaimer, boo. Disclaimer. I don't care how sexy it is that you see pictures of people using a bottle for penetration. The pocket of air, it can seal up against the wall of your flesh. And when it is removed, it's bad news bears. So just don't do that. We do not condone or sanction anything like that. If you choose to do it, you assume all risks yourself. We here at the Dirty Talk podcast and with Rain to Gray LLC do not encourage or condone any such actions. Fact. Read the fine print. Always read the fine print do want to remind everybody that if you do like this podcast, I'm putting out our challenge. Go tell at least one person if you feel this podcast is valuable, you've learned something, you've chuckled with us, you kind of like our dirty little minds. Go share it with a friend or somebody you love. We can't do it without you and your support. Dirty Talk podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, and iHeartRadio. Please follow, rate, and review. Yep, pretty much anywhere you can find it. We'll be there. We are going to end this with a small little tidbit of Valentine's Day trivia. Lay it on me. Oh, did you hear? see what I did there? Lay it on me. You want to get laid this Valentine's Day? I want to get laid every day. Turns out St. Valentine still technically is a saint, 
but he has not been publicly venerated by the Catholic Church since 69. Since 1969? Yes. That's delicious. 69. (laughs) 